You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The volume. This week on Prime Cuts, Chad Millman, Sharper Square, Nick Wright on the best NFL job for Jim Harbaugh, and my top takes of the week. All right, saying it wasn't his decision, Pete Carroll, classy as he stood at the podium energized, saying there are waves to surf. Uh, Pete's had a house in Hawaii for some time. Very active guy. Manhattan Beach, uh, Hawaii. Uh, He's a very young, 72 years old. I don't think energy, intelligence, stamina are the questions for Pete Carroll. I think he's somebody that could interview for the Chargers job. If Lincoln Riley left tomorrow, USC would talk to him. That's not the question. I do think there's a question that defensive coaches just do not want to confront. When Pete Carroll's telling me that Geno Smith is the answer, I don't know. Sean McVay moved off Goff. Goff's a lot better than Geno Smith. Kyle Shanahan moved off Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is better than Geno Smith. And both of those quarterbacks got to a Super Bowl. But when I hear Ron Rivera say, oh, Sam Howell, we're good at quarterback. Or Pete say, oh, Geno Smith, Drew Locke. Come on, guys. The culture is changing beneath your feet. Come on, guys. That's not good enough. Pete Carroll has an NCAA championship and a Super Bowl. Who are the quarterbacks? Two elite quarterbacks. Matt Leinart as a college quarterback and Russell Wilson in his prime as an NFL quarterback. Pete's defensive philosophies, ideologies, details haven't changed. He had a lot of quarterbacks at USC. When he had Leinart, those were his best teams. And he had a lot of quarterbacks in Seattle, right? But when he had Russell in his prime... He got to Super Bowls. So defensive coaches struggle with two things. Urgency at the position of quarterback. Listen, Belichick's a legend, right? Tom Brady privately will tell you he has no idea about offense. None. Now, Pete maybe knows more about offense than Bill Belichick, but I think that's that's the number one thing, is that Pete can go to a place that has an established offensive culture, but... I, I think it's a legitimate, reasonable question about defensive coaches. I mean, when when Mike Tomlin's telling me, Kenny Pickett's good enough, 
Kenny Pickett's the fifth best quarterback in that division. Burrow, Lamar, Deshaun, Flacco, Kenny Pickett. Come on. I mean, Mason Rudolph looks better than Kenny Pickett. Is he the sixth best? Come on. Uh, and when Ron Rivera, Sam Howell's good enough. Come on. So I think that's nothing against those particular quarterbacks. But that's my thing with Pete. Chargers already have a great quarterback, great young talent. Maybe that's a good fit. But I, I've been watching this for years. Andy Reid had Alex Smith said, not good enough. Alex Smith's a playoff quarterback. <laughs> he was a successful quarterback in San Francisco and Kansas City, both conferences. Andy Reid's like, we're going to upgrade. McVay, Goff, Shanahan, Garoppolo. And I just think offensive coaches have a higher standard of offense and the league rules now. I mean, even if you go look at the national championship, three of the four teams, Kalen DeBoer, Jim Harbaugh, Steve Sarkeesian, offensive coaches, right? Kirby Smart's a great coach. Nick Saban are a great coach. One didn't make it and one was the fourth best team in the playoff. So I just think the world's changing. And, and that's what worries me about Pete. It's not his energy. It's not his intelligence. It's not his commitment. Uh, it's not his personnel uh, decisions. That's not it. He's a good enough coach to coach somewhere else. Uh, and these defensive coaches, they see the world run the ball, control the clock, don't make any mistakes at quarterback, play good defense. Well, Seattle wasn't playing good defense. And I don't like turnovers either. But Elway, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Josh Allen, Matt Stafford, they turn the ball over occasionally, but they make up for it in 14 possessions, 15 possessions with great elevated quarterback play. So that's my concern with Pete. Everything else, uh, he, he's, he checks a lot of boxes. What's next for the Seahawks? I would look at Jim Harbaugh and Shane Waldron. I look at Ben Johnson. I think Dan Quinn's a lateral move. Dan Quinn's success in Atlanta was tied to a great offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. Before it and after it, never great. Got Kyle, great. Almost won a Super Bowl. Maybe should have won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, even Belichick, when he lost Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady, Dante Skarnecchia, offensive line coach, the greatest coach ever, just didn't have the aptitude offensively to turn things around. Mac Jones got worse over time, not better. Do you think if Mac Jones was given McVay, he would have gotten significantly worse over time? I don't. Jared Goff got better over time. Then they moved on. Matt Stafford came and he's gotten better over time. Uh, Brock Purdy, you think it would work if he had a defensive coach? Do you think Kyle Shanahan has a connection? Why is Jared Goff playing so well? Ben Johnson. Why was Matt Ryan an MVP? Kyle Shanahan. So I've been on this now for two to three years. It's not that the defensive coaches lack certain skills, abilities, and talent. That's not it. The league is changing right below their feet. And so Seattle kind of felt like, Pete, if you're locked in on Geno and Drew Locke, that's that's not going to work for us. So I, I think Seattle is one of the few teams in the NFL that has the personnel and draft picks to you know move from their draft position into the top 10. I can see them going after Bo Nix or Michael Penix around 10 to 12 if they're available. Seattle doesn't have a lot of needs. They have a left tackle. They have multiple weapons. They have pass rushers, good corners, um, nice running backs, active linebackers, could maybe use another safety, maybe. Seattle doesn't have needs. Quarterback is their need, and now a coach, preferably offensive. Dan Quinn feels like somebody that Pete Carroll recommended, <laughs> right? And that's okay. Pete and Dan are close, and Pete and Dan are both really, really good defensive minds. But I think this year when you watch Seattle, their defense slipped, their offensive line was not as good as it should have been. And if I look at the Rams and I look at the Seahawks, this is a rebuilding year for the Rams. This was not a rebuilding year for the Seahawks. They were in the playoffs last year and had another great draft. Can't let the Rams beat you twice. Rams can't make it, and you can't miss. Can't be that way. You got the better roster. You had the momentum. 
So I think it's uh, we, we just have to be honest. This this division, the NFC West, is going to run through Shanahan and McVay for the foreseeable future. And if Brock Purdy's as good as I think he is, and I think he's good, and Matt Stafford's really good, and then Kyler Murray's terrific, Seattle's got to upgrade at quarterback. Forget the NFC. Forget the NFL. The division. McVay, Shanahan, Kyler Murray. Seattle has to upgrade at the most important position. Maybe maybe Pete didn't want to. But I would I would put a Geno Smith draft pick package, maybe another player, and I'd move up five or six spots, seven or eight, nine or ten spots, and go get a quarterback. That's what I would do. So I think Pete is going to coach again. I think Pete wants to coach again. I think, you know, he's he's not an assistant. He, he's not an advisor. That's not who he is. But who knows? Bob Stoops retired at Oklahoma early. I, I didn't understand it. Uh, Chris Peterson wanted out. But if you listen to Pete Carroll today, he sounds like he wants to coach. I mean, he was selling at the podium. He was selling. My energy's great. My optimism. Let's go ride some waves. I can't wait. I'm very excited. That press conference was not only classy by Pete, but he was sending messages to all the GMs and maybe all the athletic directors in college. He was sending messages. You go to the podium, Tom Brady used to do a radio hit every Monday in Boston radio. Was he doing it because he needed the money? He would send the message for the week, right? What, what's the message for the week for the organization? So Pete smartly steps to the podium and he wanted to sell energy. I'm not done. I feel great. I'm not tired. I got a bright future. I'm a young 72-year-old guy. That was the messaging. And I think Pete deserves interviews. Um, if I was the Chargers, I would hire Harbaugh first, Vrabel second, but I'd interview Pete. I don't want another assistant, but I'd interview Pete. Hell, Michigan, Pete want to coach college again. <laughs> I mean, Lincoln Riley in two years wants out. I mean, it's a 72-year-old today is not a 72-year-old 25 years ago. Pete exercises, Pete moves, Pete eats better. You know, it's just a different world. It's a, it's a, it's a different world. Uh, I just turned 60 years old. I, I weigh, I, same weight I weighed in high school and college, lower body fat. I work out more. I eat much better. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't recover as quickly from a cocktail, but I feel pretty good. There you go. Instant reaction. I'd go offense. Shane Waldron, Ben Johnson in Seattle. That's not a rebuild roster. They're ready to win a lot of games now. Pete Carroll, good luck. You've earned it. Speaking of 72-year-olds, Nick Saban, Alabama head coach, is officially retiring. It just happened. Um, little bit surprised, although years ago, uh, Nick Saban, and I think he told his agent, Jimmy Sexton, he said, I don't, I don't want to be Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden. I don't want people dragging me out of here. I'm going to know. I am going to know when it's time. And um, I think he knows it's time. I'll also tell you this. I have a theory on why he's retiring now, and I think you're going to find that he has quietly and privately negotiated a huge TV contract with somebody, and you'll know that very quickly. You will know that very quickly. That's my guess. I'm not going to tell you why, but uh, there could be a network that feels they have a, a need for a big, important personality. And uh, I think he's going to go the TV route and make lots and lots of money, sign a very, very big contract. So Nick is the greatest college football coach of all time. One of the things I appreciate about Nick Saban is his ability to adapt, unlike a lot of defensive coaches. 
I mean, it was Doug Nussmeyer and, and, and Jim McElwain and Lane Kiffin and Sark and Bill O'Brien. He had to run through offensive coach after offensive coach, and he didn't miss. I mean, he really hit a lot of hires out of the park. And most defensive coaches, they miss on those coordinators regularly. So Nick nailed it. Nick was willing to evolve. I think Lane Kiffin deserves credit for that. Brought him in and, you know, would confront Nick. Like, Nick, the world's changing. I can score on your defense at practice. Um, I also think college football is a young man's game. Jay Wright, Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, now Nick Saban. The transfer portal is a pain in the butt. It's year-round recruiting. Um, it's really ruined it for coaches of stature and age. It's just not any fun. You don't have a life. You get maybe two weeks off a year. NFL coaches get like five to six weeks off a year. So the college game is a young man's game. It's a Lane Kiffin world. It's a Sark world, Kalen DeBoer world. You, you get into the 60s and 70s, it's exhausting. Um, and the transfer portal, the NIL, and I think probably a TV network walked up to Nick Saban and said, we're going to pay you 10 million bucks a year. Get over here. That's my guess. And you'll hear about it fairly soon. I think Nick will be great on TV. But um, I think he's the greatest college football coach of all time. His ability to adapt, his ability to dominate the toughest conference in the SEC. Uh, Bama will be fine personnel-wise, but there'll be no more Nicks. Bear Bryant, Nick Saban, there's a lot of average coaches in between. And it's a very, very tough job. Um, you know, whoever's going to line up, there'll, there'll be a lot of people lining up. A lot of people think Dabo Sweeney at Clemson is going to take the job. Dabo would be my choice if he was willing to leave Clemson. Not sure he would. Terrific coach. It's not a rebuild. But I I do think the the transfer portal uh, and the offer from a TV network are the deciding factors. You just don't know about the offer yet from the TV network. Uh, I can guarantee you this is not just Nick didn't wake up and have a, a – a side of eggs and, a, and a, a piece of burnt toast this morning and said, you know, I just got to, I just got to retire. Nick's been thinking, Nick plans everything. Nick strategizes everything. Nick Saban has been thinking about this for a while. And he sees young Lane Kiffin and here comes Sark and here comes Brent Venables. And he, you know, he starts looking around this conference at some of these young guys and Lane Kiffin. And he's like, Come on, man. I'm in my 70s. Do I want to be on the road recruiting constantly? All this transfer portal nonsense where I have to recruit my own kids as much as high school kids? No, thanks. I'm out. So um, congrats to Nick Saban, greatest college football coach of all time. John Middlecoff, former NFL scout with the Philadelphia Eagles. He does the Three and Out podcast. And uh, we just watched Michigan throttle Washington 34-13. I was pulling... Um, you know, for Washington for reasons, because John had a lot of money on it. And I am from the Pacific Northwest, but I had said with John and on FS1 and, and, and Fox Sports Radio, I thought Michigan really matched up with Washington well. I thought their secondary would clamp down. They'd get a pass rush. You saw it tonight. Uh, recruiting does matter, and Michigan recruits at a higher level. Um, you know, one of the limitations for Washington has always been they are geographically jammed up in the corner. Washington, Oregon, Idaho do not have a lot of Division One players. They have to convince kids to come up to the rainy weather. Michigan, more centrally located, um, you know, and sometimes it's a little bit easier uh, in the region they're in to recruit. I mean, Oregon and Washington play at a very high level and sort of overcome some recruiting disadvantages. NIL certainly helps Oregon because of Phil Knight and his backing. But uh, my, my takeaway to start this game was that, listen, Michigan felt they could obviously 
They were going to pound him a little bit on the run. Washington was aggressive defensively, got burned. But I think in the end, Washington averaged four yards of play. Michigan averaged 7.8. And they just negated Washington's firepower. Washington has thrown the ball on everybody for two years. And Michigan's corners and pass rush just took it away. And then you had a very limited Michael Penix, who doesn't move particularly well, and a run game that was never great all season. I just, I kind of felt like I knew who was going to win this thing <laughs> about eight minutes into it. I had like a feeling like, yeah, they're just going to lean on Washington. That was my takeaway. Yeah, I mean, it was 17-10 right at halftime, right. but it felt more like 30-3. to I mean, yeah. it was. The, Washington was very, very lucky, which you felt like had some momentum because they were going in half, they were getting the ball, and then he immediately comes out and throws an interception. But in that third quarter, I mean, Michigan couldn't get anything going on offense. They only gave right. up three points. So it was it was 20-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. But, you know, Michigan is about to set the record, many people believe, for players drafted. And it's yeah. not super high-end talent. It's 15 to 17 guys that are going to get drafted. You know, a lot of guys, third, fourth, fifth round, it showed tonight. Right, Washington's talent, NFL-wise, is all the skill guys on offense. The receivers, Adunze, the other two guys, and the quarterback. Well, if I tell you the quarterback, I would say has one of the worst games you've ever seen him play that mattered. You know, not some of the yeah. Stanford or the random games against Oregon, against the big-time teams they've played. Texas, he had, I, I'd give him like a C-minus tonight. They, they have no chance. And then the other thing that really stood out is... Washington's offensive line, you know, won the Joe Moore Award. Was the best. they got worked? I mean, the, the, that yeah. guard center combination was getting shoved around. The physicality you, you saw Harbaugh's team look like the good NFL teams. They're just good at every position. They tackle well, and yeah. to me, that the, the player of the game is Harbaugh's defensive coordinator Jesse Minner, which I'm sure would go with him. He's a Raven guy to the NFL. W what a performance by him! I mean, shutting down one of the more explosive offenses we've seen in recent memory. Yeah, I mean. Uh you know, Penix had an off game. Um, it, I kind of look at it like it's it's not um, a random off game. He got pressure, uh, not a lot of space to move, and people weren't open. And so he was off because he was pressured. Uh, he was off because there just doesn't one lot weren't a lot of openings. I mean, you and I both thought Washington matched up really well with Texas. I thought yeah. it was like oh, that that matches up. Um, Texas weak in the secondary. Michigan's got NFL guys in the secondary. So everywhere. Penix, you know, Penix was just throwing that ball. It was sort of jump ball situations. And I mean, Michael Penix is still going to get drafted very high, but you, you can see the concerns about him. He is sort of a statuesque thrower. Um, he kind of lets it fly. So he doesn't like to get hit. You saw a couple times when he had pressure, he, he didn't want to get popped. Um, and in the NFL, if you go to a bad team, you're going to get popped. So you watch a Josh Allen on Sunday or a Lamar, and they can throw, they can pass. Michael's going to sit in the pocket in the NFL like Tua, and he's going to throw the football. I think he's a bigger, stronger Tua, throws it up the sideline better than Tua. But that's sort of his comp. He, he He's kind of a statuesque thrower when he has time to throw. Uh, does it hurt his draft stock? Certainly didn't help it. Uh, you're a former scout. I mean, you know, people are saying he'll drop out of the first round. I just, I think there's so much desperation for a quarterback. He may go down to 20, 25, but it doesn't feel like he'd go mid-second, does it? No, I mean, I maybe I'm a little biased, you know, living on the West Coast and rooting for him. And, and maybe I got a little overexcited for the Texas game because I, I like to ask my friends that are on teams that don't need a quarterback. So when they go into these schools, they have no agenda in, in evaluating the guy. And a couple of guys that are, you know, scouting directors had second round grades on the guy. 
And, I, you know, a lot of people were pushing back against this top 10 talk after the Texas game because they go, he's an older player. He's been banged up. Look at tonight. It looked a lot like some of those Oregon games where he's getting peppered and you go, God, is he going to be able to get up? Well, what happens yeah. when that's TJ Watt, right? Or Fletcher Cox or Aaron Donald, those guys leaning on him all game long. So I, I understand the concerns. I, I'm bullish on him. I like him. Tonight is rough because the way you evaluate a player is against the best competition he plays, right? So Oregon, Texas defensively is not, right? Yeah. So tonight would be the game that if you were feeling pretty good about your second round grade, which which I understand. Like, I, I understand the concerns, but I, I don't think you... You got to be careful in scouting about overreacting to a performance like tonight because yeah. to me he was really amped up early. He could never get into a rhythm, and he was bad. I mean, guys have bad games, right? So yeah. I I wouldn't write the guy off. But tonight is definitely going to be of concern in these draft meetings for these teams. Like you said, I, I would be st like I don't see him falling out of the first round. All the character stuff, the medical is going to be a concern. And when he goes yeah. to the combine, if anything, red flags with the knees. You know, just the wear and tear on the body. Because you, you draft a guy in the first round, it is about the second contract. Like, can the guy be an eight, nine-year player? Are we, do we feel comfortable about giving the guy a second contract? And I, I do think tonight brought up some fair questions. That are, I still like the player, but tonight yeah. was a rough performance. Yeah, I mean, it, it was as I was watching the game, I said, you have two contrasting styles, a team that would prefer to throw, a, a team that would prefer to run a West Coast Pac-12 team, a Big Ten team, Michigan made it look like a Big Ten game. Michigan made that game look like they wanted to make it look. McCarthy doesn't have to throw much, couple of big throws to the tight end, take a lead, physically push Washington around. As Washington, you know, now heads into the conference, uh, Michigan's like, okay, this is what we do. This is sort of what the kind of brand of football uh, I mean, Michigan doesn't have an elite receiver. Their tight ends, one of their more uh, consistent pass catchers. So I thought Michigan made it look like a Big Ten game. And you know the other thing that jumped out to me? Uh, and Michigan, for the record, is a very good tackling team. You pointed that out. Um, you know, sometimes you have to watch a moment. You know, you can speculate and and then you watch a moment. And I I was like, I don't, I don't know. I think Harbaugh is going to come back to Michigan. As I watched that game, and I watched the way Michigan played, I'm like, yeah, this would be the perfect time to leave. Like totally it was, great. I sat there and I'm like, he, he beat Washington, Alabama, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State in a row. It's your last five games at Michigan. And you see his brother and you see the family. And I thought, he's going to take his DC. All these kids are leaving. And as I watched it, it's weird but it felt like his last game at Michigan. Does that sound crazy? Yeah, he's gone. I mean, I, I think he's definitely gone. And the one thing Jim Harbaugh has always done and it was on full display tonight is his coaching staffs are so good. I remember going to a Niner practice when he was there, and it was Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator who was with him at Stanford. Feels like he has a young superstar in this Jesse Minner guy that he got from his brother. Previously, he had McDonald that is now his brother's defensive coordinator. The Harbaugh skills of accumulating excellent assistance is an elite skill because Jim is a CEO head coach. He's not calling the yeah. plays. He's a motivator. He's a program guy. That that team felt like an NFL team today, the way they tackle their physicality, yes. their relentlessness. And listen, Washington's like a really good college team. That felt like we're good at everywhere. Our, really, our only flaw is our quarterback. How much can we rely on him? But he's clearly has NFL potential. We can talk about him from an NFL standpoint, but... 
you know, Harbaugh has built teams like this when he's been at his best, where he over he's a heavyweight fighter, and he comes in. I mean, what they have a, almost 180 yards rushing in the first quarter. They hit yeah. him like Mike Tyson right in the in the face, and it felt like it really wobbled Washington, and they were never the same after that. They were just holding on by a thread, yeah. and because Harbaugh's teams typically, unless they're playing crappy opponents, aren't going to score 60 points. You're no. always going to be in the game, especially they were bad on third down, but the game was never close. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires dedicated winter tires go to tirerack.com use the tire decision guide to get personalized tire recommendation the right tires for how what and where you drive choose from the full line of michelin tires ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers you'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years mobile tire installations available all over the country have you heard about this they bring new tires to your home or work install them on site game changer Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. See their Michelin test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All right, let's let's um, move to Jim Harbaugh. So one of the things um, I, I wrote this, I think, in my first book, two things make smart men stupid, beautiful women and sports. And I always think, um, so I grew up in the Pacific Northwest where I was a Husky fan as a kid, but we didn't have teams that won a lot of championships. And ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to be a sportscaster. So I was never a fan, a true fan as a kid. You know, people know I like the Huskies or USC, but I'm not really a true fan. I love creating content. And anybody that knows me, you know me, uh, yeah. Jamie Horowitz, Charlie Dixon. I love to create content. That's that's my love of my life uh, beyond my kids and family. I love to create seven-minute rants, eight-minute rants. And I love the audience to rip them, enjoy them, whatever. Yep. And this this Jim Harbaugh stuff is why – I, as a moderately bright guy, have a great career. 
is that Jim Harbaugh has literally won everywhere. He got to a Super Bowl with Kaepernick. He won at academically rigid Stanford, like 12 yeah. games. He won 10 games at Michigan the first year with Brady hoax players in the Big Ten. And for years, people just kept pushing back. He's not good. And I, I tell people, it's called Google. It's a search engine. You, you can look at his brother's brilliant. His dad won a championship. His brother's brilliant. He's won everywhere. And it was the reluctance for people because Jim makes people, he's a disruptor, uncomfortable. He's, he's Uber to taxi. He just pisses people off. He's new. We've done it this way. He does it that way. The Jim Schwartz pat in the back. He's hard. He pissed Pete Carroll off. And the idea that Jim Harbaugh needed the natty to be viewed as a great coach. And I'm like, Saban bombed in the NFL. Spurrier bombed. Like there's five, four or five guys ever, Jimmy Johnson, Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, that won with both. It's really yep. hard. I mean, Belichick, he wouldn't deal with donors. He wouldn't recruit. He's shown no ability to understand offense. That in our business, that if we allow the fans to be the jury and then, you know, somebody can be the DA, somebody can be the prosecuting attorney, and you and I are just the judge and you remove emotion from most of the arguments, it is rather bizarre well, that yeah, sure. how often greatness is obvious and people, because their agendas or their connections to other schools, just won't subscribe to, yeah, Jim Harbaugh's won everywhere, everywhere. immediately. Everywhere. I, I'm and shocked by all the people that are like, yeah, I That, that needed this to prove it. They like, needed what? it to prove it. Now, listen, I will admit, you know, it's not like we don't all have our own whiffs. I just mentioned the Jokic thing. So, like, it's not like the, anybody bats a thousand on this stuff. But No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Jokic, by the no. way, was an ascending player who was a second rounder. And it, and it just, there was no precedent for it, which is part of what That's makes right. him so special be, when you're unprecedented. But, and also, to add to your point, and I might be totally misremembering, but like a decade ago, didn't you have a really weird, yes, like thing with Harbaugh? Yes, like a I don't, I, I don't know if that him. was it, right? But and but you no, but you, like there was an interview or whatever yes. where it seemed like he was giving you the hard time. I don't remember the details of yeah. it. Yeah, okay, so but, I didn't interview. It was terribly clunky. I could have easily turned on him, but the reason that's I, what I, okay, so that's what I was. That's why I was going to bring it up. Was I yeah. thought somewhere in my brain I thought that existed, but I couldn't quite remember it. You, it nothing would have been easier. Then to be like, everybody thinks this guy's a dope. He kind of was a dick to me when I talked to him. <laughs> and it's always the safer bet to say someone sucks because it's hard to win. Yeah. Because you're going to get to be right so much more often than you're going to get, than you're going to ever be wrong because there's only one winner at, at the end of the day. And if you can be like, well, I can't win the big game. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? Like, <laughs> I told you the guys, it sucks. Um, and I, I watch. 10% as much college football as you. But I watch the biggest games, the biggest programs, and I obviously am very aware of what's going on. And it was like six years ago. I'm like, wasn't Harbaugh's team with way less talent like a bad spot away <laughs> from beating Ohio State? Yeah. Like, wasn't it, it wasn't, hasn't so much of this narrative of, oh, can't beat the best teams? Like, 
aren't we basing that partially on a spot we all agree was the wrong spot in a year he would have either been undefeated or in the title game i don't remember all the details but there is there's just so much data i'll give you the and a uh, different contemporary example it should not have taken patrick mahomes for people to realize andy reed pretty fucking smart yeah you know what and, and by the way he would have probably never won a super bowl you know what I mean? If it would have yeah. just been Alex Smith to the next guy, because winning Super Bowls are hard. But when every player, every quarterback that you have has their best seasons under yes. you, and it, then it's like, oh, like it's so all the and I think, by the way, kind of a future take, I can see some of the media turning on is too strong, but starting to do this topic how good is kyle shanahan really if they don't make <laughs> you know, because it's like oh these great regular seasons but where's the jewelry like if they don't win the super bowl as opposed to being like well i don't know he's taking quarterbacks that the moment they leave him are backups or benched or whatever and when 12 games 13 games one playoff games probably pretty good and so I do think there is there is a a level of folks that I I think won't go with will only go with what they truly believe and see. Yeah, up until it's like ah, this is not in the mainstream enough anymore. I'll disagree with everybody else. And so, and I think that's why, not to bring up the Niners again, I think that's why people have gotten so frustrated with me on Brock Purdy. Yeah. Is it's because so many of the other skeptics laid down their swords, and I don't think they were convinced. I just think they got sick of getting yelled at. <laughs> and what and what I think folks don't know is in order to yell at me, you better see me in person. Because I'm not seeing any of it. I'm not reading any of it. Like, the only people who get to yell at me half like are Broussard, Wilds, you, and people I know. So, like, I don't really, it doesn't impact me. Um, And so the Harbaugh thing is fascinating. And I do wonder how much of it is they just didn't like it. They just thought the guy was Listen. weird and a jerk or whatever. And I don't want to describe that to him because yeah. I don't know him. But it seemed like a lot of it was like, I don't like this guy. Yeah, I had four... You know, I, I rely a lot because I'm older. So I know a lot of coaches and executives. I go to lunch with them. I have dinner with them. So I know four different coaches who have been on Harbaugh's staff. And they all said the same thing. Guy is different. He's the most football obsessed guy ever. He's just, he's just, it's insane. So a lot of times I have access, you do, that fans don't, right? They, they don't, sure. they don't have these, I mean, I go to dinner probably twice a year with Mangini. We talk about shit that I'm not putting on the air. Jed Fish is a good friend of mine. You know, di different guys I've dealt with. So I, I do have yep. some, you know, I can call it. Part a, of the a, job. Yeah. Right. This course. is what we do. If you're a mortgage broker listening to me, you have access to stuff that I don't have. So, right. um, but it, it, I just found the Harbaugh stuff. It's like, guys. Yes, four times, including the NFL. First year, he took the Niners over. They were excellent. And it's like, if you, a lot of people get jobs and they don't last. But if you get four different jobs, five different jobs, you take crap and you make it good Im immediately and you're successful in all of them, I don't need championships. Now- And where was he before Stanford? I don't even remember. I should so say that out loud. So he was at San Diego. It was a small That's university. That's where it was. 
Yeah. Yeah, and he, he succeeded there, and he succeeded everywhere. They had a quarterback who was good. He made him really, really good. Then he went to Stanford. Stanford was the worst program in the country with high academic And they standards. beat USC. As a 40-point I mean, dog I, in the Coliseum. Yeah, I mean, I remember that vividly. I mean, I remember it. And in my opinion, set the table. That And this is the other thing that happens sometimes to guys. Are you pals with Chris Peterson? Maybe I'm uh, making yes. this up. Yeah, I, like, okay. I have him on my I, phone, yeah. Okay, so... I feel like sometimes guys become victims of their own success. Yeah. Where they make a play so relevant or good that it stays that after they leave. And then to some folks, it's not as wildly impressive of what they did when they got there. So Chris Peterson, like, turned Boise State into such a power that after he leaves, it's still relevant. And it's like, no, no, no. That was created by him. Similar thing happened with Harbaugh with Stanford. Like Harbaugh can leave. They have Andrew Luck and David Shaw, and they're really good still. And it's like, oh, yeah, Stanford's always pretty good. It's like, no, it was not. Terrible. Like that is, uh, I mean, I understand there were times when it was, and they were involved in famous games, obviously. But when he took it over, it was terrible and made it great. And the Niners were in the wilderness, and it instantly turned around. It instantly turned around for them, which if you were advising him, what job would you, if if he had his pick of all the NFL openings, what job would you tell him? I would say, Jim, you recruited Drake May. Do you think he's better than Justin Herbert? And if the answer is yes, you take the Washington job because Herbert Mm -hmm. for for the next rest of his career is expensive. expensive. If you believe that Drake May is better than Justin Herbert. You take the Washington job. Your brother coaches Baltimore. You take Washington. Your mom and dad can move between the two of you. Um, well, cap cool. space, good roster, Drake May. Now if, if, now, if you don't think it is, then just go with the best quarterback. I mean, the answer in the NFL is almost always go where the best quarterback is or draft the best quarterback. Chicago, draft Caleb Williams. It'll just work out. He'll it'll work out. Of course, right. So the Chargers is the best job, unless and the, 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 wherever Harbaugh goes, what's really an advantage is like Pete Carroll or Jimmy Johnson when they're in college and they come to pro. You get about a three year window where you know all the college players. You recruited all of them. Oh, that's a good point. Huge edge. So. The rebuild will be much easier for you. Now, the Chargers is not a rebuild. They have cap space, cap issues. Washington's not a total rebuild, but a semi-rebuild with tons of cap space. So Harbaugh can walk in and go, yeah, I'm I'm going to, like Jimmy and Pete, the rebuild is much easier for me. I know all. And by by the way, we will trade off some players, get draft picks. I'll probably take four of my Michigan guys who I know can play, and I'll avoid the ones that I know that can. That I know can't. Yeah. So, I mean, you go look at Pete Carroll's first three or four drafts out of USC. I mean, it was just fifth round, sixth round. I mean, he was nailing people. Jimmy Johnson walks into the league. He is just a fish in a barrel. So I think Washington's very interesting. No cap issues, marginal rebuild. Um, you look around that division and you're like, eh, Jalen Hurts, Dak, Daniel Jones. Eh, eh. Off another winning week, three and two blazing five. For the record, 13 of the last 15 weeks, or is it 14 of 16, I was 500 or better, 63% after my disastrous 
opening two weeks. So we had a very good season of Blazing Five. Sharper, Square, Chad Millman, CCO Action Network, all odds provided by DraftKings. You know, the game that I talked myself, you and McIntyre talked me out of was the Texans. And so, um, you know, the numbers, it did feel like a, a, a Colts play. But one of the reasons I think that the consumers, fans, had one of their best years ever. Because increasingly over the last two years, it has gotten so quarterback-centric. Uh, last year, seven of seven playoff teams in the NFC had offensive coaches. This year, it's 11 of 14. Uh, was 12 of 14 for most of the season. And I think C.J. Stroud, uh, listening, watching those who either cover him or watch him or judge his film, I think we're looking at a deep ball thrower that is one of the best in the league. Accuracy, seeing the field. So I know the Browns have a better roster, but Joe Flacco's story has actually been better than his quarterbacking. His passer rating has been 90. The story's great. His quarterback play has been okay. I would take C.J. Stroud at home plus two and a half. Don't think they have the roster. I know rookie quarterbacks don't do well in the playoffs, but I think we're looking at a special player, um, sharper square. Yeah, the the way you're describing it is similar to how wise guys have been describing C.J. Stroud is that he's Neo from the Matrix, right? There, there's something about him that is unicorn-esque and he defies all the expectations. He breaks all the models. He changes the rules for what we expect. We shouldn't want to bet on a rookie coach with a rookie quarterback against the best defense in the NFL in the playoffs. And yet that's what we want to do. And if you break this game down a little bit further, the Texans were six and three at home this year. Six and two playing with C.J. Stroud. One of those games he missed, it happened to be the game in which Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper had a career day against the Texans in Houston. When he was at home, C.J. Stroud threw for 2,500 yards. He threw for seven yards, no, nine yards per completion, threw for 17 touchdowns. When the Cleveland Browns defense was on the road, they gave up 30 points a game. They had eight road games, nine home games. In those eight road games, they gave up 112 more points than they did in the nine <laughs> games at home. Everything about their defense is different when they're on the road. So the wise guys are on the Texans at two and a half. This game actually opened at two, got that down to one and a half. The public came in and wrote it back up to three. Wise guys took the three. Now it's settled the two and a half. Personally, I'm waiting, hoping that it gets back to three sometime before kickoff. A lot of lines have been moving aggressively before kickoff. So I'm hoping it gets back to three, but uh, the wise guys are with you, Colin. Okay. We're not getting the best of the number, not even close, um, but uh, the Chiefs minus four and a half. I think, you know, it's all bets are off, zero degrees. Uh, I mean, two under like four. 40 degrees has been a different quarterback. Tua in December and January is a 500 quarterback. He's a Hawaiian kid who plays in Miami and then in Alabama. This is, he just not, it's just like taking a surfer and saying, here's Anchorage. Take your shirt off. Good luck. Uh, it's just different. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think I also think um, 
The Chiefs rested people at home. They're used to it. It's just a weather advantage. I would take the Chiefs to cover. I The number was at like one and a half at 1.2. Yeah. So it's not the best of the number, but I think I'd still take Chiefs sharper square. Well, it's square at four and a half because of what you just said. Look, if it was Chiefs one and a half, it was Chiefs two, two and a half, even Chiefs three, then the wise guys were playing the Chiefs. But as soon as it got to three and a half, and then all of a sudden it's at four and four and a half, you're just playing a bad number. And long term, you might win this weekend, but long term, it's not the right play, right? And so there's a couple things that have made this number run. I think one, the weather. People already believe the narrative that the Dolphins can't play in the cold. Two, the uh, injuries that the Dolphins have suffered, suffered defensively. I don't know how they're going to rush the passer. Are they only going to be able to rush the passer by blitzing? And if you blitz, you don't win against Patrick Mahomes. But here's the flip side, and here's why the wise guys like the Dolphins in this spot. One, these aren't the Chiefs of years past, right? They really don't have any reliable downfield targets. So the Dolphins can bracket Travis Kelsey coming off the line at tight end, double team him. And then you basically put Jalen Ramsey on Rasheed Rice and you've taken away all the weapons that Patrick Mahomes has. And the flip side is the Chiefs defense is better than anything Patrick Mahomes has ever played with. The Dolphins, what's their MO? While they're a great downfield passing team, they're a really great running team. Don't forget Mike McDaniels. He's a running game coordinator, right? Yeah. Raheem Mostert, limited practice. I would expect him to play. Devon Achan, brilliant out of the backfield as a running back this year. I think this will be a closer game than people think. So that's why the wise guys are taking the four and a half. Personally, I took the under 44, 44 and a half. I'm not taking a side in this game. Okay, um, Packers plus seven and a half would be the side at Dallas. Dallas is going to score points. Joe Barry's defense has been a sieve most of the year. But Green Bay is a live dog. Four different receivers I like. Good tight ends. Jordan Love playing well. If Dallas went seven and a half for a Green Bay team, that I mean, if I told you they scored 27, you'd be like, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I mean, Joe Barry's defense looked good against Chicago. It's not good. So I think it's a 33-27, 33-28 fun game to watch. Seven and a half feels way too heavy. I'll take Green Bay, sharper square. Totally nailed it. Wise guys are all over Green Bay here. It's really interesting because this number probably should be power rated at six. The line should be about six for this game. You, you have two defenses that you say Joe Barry and the Packers defense is very good. But look, the Cowboys defense gets more credit than it deserves. It pass rushes it, it's, it's pass rushes middle of the road. You've got Micah Parsons, who's, you know, an all pro, had more sacks this year than he's ever had. And you've got a defensive secondary with George Bland, who had more pick sixes than ever, led the league in interceptions. Between those two spectrums, it's a lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak. And so this is a pass rush that is middling at best. So I wouldn't expect them to be a team that puts Jordan Love on his heels. And by the way, they play a lot of man. Jordan Love's passer rating is 13 points higher yes. against man than it is yes. against zone. And what you're doing against Jordan Love right now, don't forget, Dak Prescott led the league in touchdown passes. Jordan Love was number two. Jordan Love, since November, has just been lights out, elite 
as a quarterback. And I think it speaks to a coaching advantage for the Packers. Matt LaFleur, just a better coach than Mike McCarthy. We've seen it. Mike McCarthy is not great in late game situations. He is not great in managing the clock. Very good chance the the Cowboys put themselves in a very bad position with bad decision-making late in the game. 100% agree with you. Yeah, this is the easy one. Rams plus the points, three and a half at Lions was four at one point. I get a coaching advantage, a quarterback advantage, a health advantage. And I think people are forgetting just how good the Rams draft was. Uh, Their first three picks, a left guard, a defensive tackle who should be the rookie of the year defensively, an outside linebacker who is relentless. And in the fifth round, they got the steal of the entire draft in Puka Nakua. Their special teams are dubious. So that's what scares me. I don't think they win the Super Bowl. But this is a healthy team, coach, quarterback upgrade, and they have young players. We all know Puka, but they have nailed this draft. This is a team runs the ball, can throw it deep, um, can rush the passer. They're, They're not a great team. Uh, you can, they're a little like Detroit. They can score a lot. You can beat them over the top, but there's no way <laughs> I'm giving over your field goal to the Rams. The, the Rams could easily win this game. Uh, Rams yeah, plus three and a half, sharper square. Totally right. It's another live dog, by the way. If you're putting together a money line parlay, you could do worse than putting together a parlay with the Rams and the Packers. Um, because I agree with you a hundred percent. The wise guys agree with you as well. They're going to be on the Rams at three and a half. They did bet it down from four almost immediately on Sunday night. It was the first game that the wise guys started pounding when the wildcard games were announced. And you didn't even mention Colin, Kyron Williams. This has been a different team since Kyron Williams came back from injury. Matthew Stafford, when's the last time like Matthew Stafford wasn't sort of the focal point of the offense, didn't throw for 4,000 yards this year, played in every game, but this team was accelerating towards the playoffs when Kyron Williams came back. Great coaching season by Sean McVay. It's curious to me that you think he's that much better of a coach than Dan Campbell. I don't see the difference in this game being on the sidelines. To me, the real difference might end up being the fact that Sam Laporta isn't playing because he's a guy who this past season second most first down receptions on the Lions, finished the season with the most receptions ever for a tight end, tied for the most touchdown receptions. I think I think the books are discounting how important he is to the Lions and Jared Goff's comfort. Um, this is a line game. If the Eagles are minus three and a half, I, I probably go bucks, but I think it's a close 27-24 game. I'll take the Eagles minus two and a half. Much better personnel. I mean... Tampa down the stretch, they beat Carolina a couple times. I think, you know, it's it's a little like the Joe Flacco story. The story's better than the reality. I don't think Tampa's very good. They don't have really a home field advantage. Half that stadium will be Eagles fans. I'd t- at two and a half, the numbers, to me, a Philly number, uh, sharper square. It's totally sharp if you're playing two and a half. If it's three and a half, the wise guys are going to play the Bucs. That's it. Like, that's, that's how it's going to go. So check your local <laughs> listings. Figure out what you want the number to be and play the half point on either side. The greatest advantage that the Bucks really have could be in the middle of the field with Kate Otten. If you want to be taking yeah. a player prop, you might want to think about playing his over reception yards. Keep it under, say, 23, 24 if you can find that. But the other advantage has been Baker Mayfield to Mike Evans this year. You know, Mike Evans tied for the league lead in touchdown receptions. 
But if it's going to be terrible weather and there's going to be weather all up and down throughout the country, then, and it might be torrential rain there, that's going to limit Baker's ability to get the ball downfield to Mike Evans. So it's a really, really tricky game to bet. If you have to pick a side, you got to play the number. And uh, finally, um, the Bills game could be moved. There's so much snow. Buffalo's a much better team. TJ Watt's not playing. I Mike Tomlin getting 10 um, in crappy weather. It's like, I, that's a stay away game for me. Um, talk me into the side the wise guys like. Well, look, the wise guys are sort of thinking the same thing as you, right? Don't forget, this game opened at seven and a half. It lasted for about 30 seconds and got that <laughs> up immediately uh, to nine and a half, 10. I unfortunately am the sucker who looked at it on Tuesday and was like, Eh, screw it. I don't care what the number is. The Bills are going to destroy this team. I bet it at minus 10. And then 48 hours later, I'm, you know, getting reports of the winter apocalypse coming into uh, Western New York. So that scares me quite a bit. But if not for the weather, I would tell you, yeah, you take the freaking Bills and you eat the number and you don't care because the Steelers forget about the fact that they're going to have a first playoff game quarterback in Mason Rudolph, which is never a good scenario. C.J. Stroud accepted, accepted. Without T.J. Watt, this is just a different team in terms of they're a bad team. So you cannot bet on the Steelers if they're not going to have T.J. Watt. The problem is the weather, which is such a mystery and X factor right now. If you haven't bet it yet, don't bet it. Good seeing you, buddy. See you, buddy. The Volume. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 